So the title of today's message is A Call for Just Judgment. A Call for Just Judgment. So think about this as we get into our topic today. How do we deal with unjust rulers? Ask yourself that question. How do we deal with unjust rulers? We live in a day and age where many are looking for the next political savior. They look to the evil of the day and they say or they, they, they think that there needs to be a change because things are going downhill fast. They vocalize their thoughts oftentimes and say, if, if this person could get into, the, into office, we would be okay. Or if that person would get in, then we would be set on the right track. And they put their hopes in flesh and blood. But God knows of no such frenzy. He says this. He, well, I'll tell you what he does not say. He does not say, if this person gets into the office, then everything will be great. He knows no such frenzy. Why? Because here's what God says. He says, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. If we are honest, we see that, yes, Things are difficult in this life, not only in this nation, but in the world abroad. It seems like evil will continue to abound without end. And the rulers of this nation do little to turn things around. And in many cases, they spur evil on into further darkness. But fear not, dear Christian. For you are in the all-capable hands of a loving God and Savior. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And no matter how dark the day, the light of Christ shines greatly upon you. And his light is seen best in the darkness. Though, even as the psalm says, Psalm 36, 9, it says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So not only light against darkness, but light against light. How is that for confidence and for joy, Christian? As Christians, see, we sometimes get caught up in the way that the world acts and in how it speaks when it comes to politics and political figures. For instance, if there is a person in the Republican Party that does not do what they have proposed to do, then they are called a rhino, right? A Republican in name only. Why are they called this? Because they said that they act on behalf of the party, but once they are elected, once they are enacting their duties in office, they are operating as if they are part of the other party. See, with Jesus, we don't have that problem. See, Jesus is not a rhino, a redeemer in name only. No, he accomplished what he came to do, and before he hung his head in death, he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. He was buried in the tomb and resurrected to life on the third day. Forty days later, he ascended to heaven where he sits on the throne while his enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. The government, as we read, is upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. He gave the command to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. On this Sanctity of Life Sunday, we stand in solidarity with the word of God and declare that abortion is murder. And it is an enemy that is being made a footstool for Christ. And we must, as the body of Christ, 
go and call all the rulers of this earth into submission to the rule and authority of Christ. That's how we deal with them. We call them to, to protect innocent image bearers of God. We do this not as a way of putting our hope in man, but with full confidence in the king of kings that he will be the one who will ultimately bring about true justice for eternity. He will abolish abortion, but governments and civil authorities must fall in line. With that in mind, let us turn to our text for today, Psalm 82. And I'm going to ask you to do something that we don't typically do, but please stand with me as we read God's word. Understand that this is about God and him alone. As you are standing, I will give you an overview that the purpose of this psalm is clear. It is written for the instruction of kings, princes, judges, and civil magistrates alike about their duty and responsibilities to render justice without impartiality. It calls out the unjust judgments on the weak and fatherless, the afflicted and destitute, as well as the needy. <clears throat> Psalm 82 it says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God. Judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all nations. Amen. You may be seated. See, I can't think of a group of people or persons who are more afflicted than our preborn neighbors in their mother's womb. A call for just judgment is given in our text today with a stern warning given for those who refuse to heed the call. Let us look to our text. Psalm 82, verse 1. It says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of rulers. God is taking his stand in the congregation of the mighty, the mighty rulers. He is taking his stand there. He judges among judges when the assembly of them, of the judges and magistrates congregate, God is in the midst of them. So when governors, judges, magistrates meet to decide on matters of justice, then God is there in their midst. He judges among the gods, God's little g, the men of authority. They are gods to other men, but he is God to them, as Charles Spurgeon reminds us. We'll talk a little more about what is meant by gods shortly. But here it says that God takes his stand. This could mean a position of authority whereby God stands he stands by ready to assist or also from that same position, he could stand in authority ready to deal with those who pervert justice. When fair and just judgments are made, God is there. He is also there when wicked and harsh judgments are made as well. So rulers, Authorities, governors, civil magistrates, be warned. It says he is in his own congregation, in the divine council, 
or in the congregation of God. What does this mean? It means God has put those people into office and has given them a measure of authority which ultimately comes from him. So while they are assembled, they are his own congregation. He stands in their midst. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it tells us, it says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. The governing authorities are established by God and given a specific purpose. What is that purpose? Judge righteously. Render just judgment. Those who render judgment should be men of integrity. And this is something that is not foreign to Scripture. When Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw that Moses was bearing a load too heavy by handling all matters of judgment himself, Jethro counseled him about delegating to others some responsibilities for judging the people of Israel. And here is the instruction given, Exodus chapter 18, verses 19 through 22. You can turn there if you want, but I will read it to you. It says, starting in verse 19, it says, Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Pay attention to these next two verses because we'll reference back to this. But in verse 20, it says, Then teach them the statutes and laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. Jehoshaphat, whenever he was appointing judges in the land of Judah, he said to them in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verses 6 and 7, he said to the judges, consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do, for the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. See, it is God who places governing rulers and authorities in their positions of power in order to render just judgment. These men should act with integrity, knowing that it is the Lord who has placed them there and that he is in the midst of their assembly whenever they are deciding matters of justice. If they do not know this or if they have forgotten, then they should be reminded and made aware. The psalmist goes on to ask in Psalm 82, verse 2, he says, How long will you judge unjustly? and show partiality to the wicked. And as I heard someone, as I was reading this, they said, Selah, Selah. That is important here. Selah may mean pause or a, a, cres a crescendo, a musical interlude. And it is very fitting right here. For, for unjust judges, and not even unjust judges, but for all rulers and all of those in authority to stop and consider the question, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked in light of the fact that Almighty God attends their congregations and meetings? 
He is judging amidst their congregation while they render unjust judgments and do not act according to the righteousness of God. See, though they sit in closed chambers, there is nothing that is done in secret because God is there. The question should give them pause, cause them to think, and maybe even confess and repent of their wicked ways. The question of how long will this go on? This is a question, a good and natural question to the witness of continued unjust judgments and of unrighteous actions taking place. How long is this going to continue? Just naturally, we might ask that question. See, the Lord asked this same question to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 10, verse 3. He says, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Pharaoh was eventually broken and destroyed. The term unjust means that they are showing favoritism, holding one in esteem over another. Uh, Simply put, they are not rendering just judgment. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 16, it says, For everyone who does these things, everyone who acts unjustly, is an abomination to the Lord your God. Take it seriously. All who are in positions of authority would do well to pause and consider their ways because the great judge is watching. He is in their midst. Psalm 58, verses 1 and 2, it says, Do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? Do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? No, in heart you work unrighteousness. On earth you weigh out the violence of your hands. Isaiah chapter 10 says, Woe to those who enact evil statutes and to those who constantly record unjust decisions. Woe to them. How long will you continue in this manner? Verse 3 of Psalm 82, it says, Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Here is the call for just judgment. This is the duty of the governing authorities. Defend the weak, the poor, the fatherless. Give them justice. Right the wrongs being committed against them. Vindicate them. Verse 4, it says, rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. Help them to escape from the ones who ensnare them. The rich and powerful can very easily entangle the poor and needy. The magistrate is to give them a righteous way of escape from their unrighteous oppressors. Governing authorities are to carry away to safety those who cannot defend themselves. Deliver them out of the hand hand of the wicked. Hand here is a sign of strength, a sign of power. In this case, it is power that is wrongfully used. However, in the case of our pre-born neighbors, there are both rich and poor who are thirsty for their innocent blood. The governing authorities must take a stand and judge righteously. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12, it says, Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work? This is a point of warning, not only for wicked rulers, but we should take heed to that warning as well, that God 
will render to man according to his work. He takes notice. Verse 5 of Psalm 82, it says, They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. They don't know. They don't understand. See, this is where the passage in Exodus comes back into play. Because these judges that are being talked about here they don't even care enough to know their righteous duty, nor do they execute it properly as unto God. But as we saw in Jethro's counsel to Moses, judges were to be taught and they were to know their duty. Those being addressed in this psalm are wicked authorities who have hearts that are hardened. They are arrogant. They have no conscience for the righteous performance of their duties. They could care less about judgment, about righteous judgment and, and justice. They only want personal gain. That is their focus. These are those who walk in darkness. They are blinded by darkness. The idea behind them walking in darkness is not only do they walk in darkness for just a short period of time, but the idea is that they continue to walk in darkness. Their conscience is seared. Their conscience is seared and they, they go further into the abyss of darkness and wickedness. Think about it. The homosexual movement started out as them just wanting to be left alone. Let us mind our business. Let us love who we want to love. Don't bother us. And that turned into now a Respect of Marriage Act, which is nothing more than a Disrespect of Marriage Act as defined by God's word. It is between one man and one woman. But this Respect of Marriage Act, as they call it, wants us to say otherwise. Just allow them to love who they want to love and go about their business. And oh, they say that you, church, you're protected. Your, your religious liberties are protected. We're not going to come after you. We just want to make sure that they are protected. Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled. Stand for righteousness. Abortion, though horrible even then, started as just wanting the right to choose, moving to the want now for rights to murder babies even outside of the womb. This, if the mother chooses, but oh, they'll keep the baby comfortable while the mom decides. Let that sink in. See, those who walk in darkness continue on in darkness. They know no bounds. Evil knows no bounds. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. As a result of this, the foundations of the earth are shaken. Things are in utter chaos, seemingly spiraling to a point of no return. When governing authorities of a nation are not committed to ruling righteously, but rather choose to enact tyrannical practices and make laws that are contrary to the Lord's standard and rule of law, then all things become disjointed and come tumbling down as a result. Psalm chapter 75, verse 3, it says, The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. Selah. Let that sink in. It is God who has established the foundations of the earth, the pillars of this earth. But see, governments 
collapse and powerful nations come to ruin when its leaders are ignorant and corrupt. These people take on a position where knowledge and righteousness are essential, but they choose ignorance and wickedness instead. And as a result, the Lord shakes the pillars and foundations that he has firmly set. Verse 6, he says, I said, you are gods and all of you are sons of the Most High. It was understood that these rulers were endowed with great honor, so much so that they were called gods, little g. They had the highest of responsibilities as representatives of the most high God. So their character ought to match that as well. See, just as a short point of digression, this is far from what Word of faith teachers tell you, and other false teachers teach. They said that God said that we are gods, and they deduce from that that they can do the same things that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did, and even more. They look at Jesus as a created being, not as the eternal God who has been here from the beginning of eternity. When did that begin? See, what is being talked about here when he says you are gods, these are men that are given the highest honor. They were, as as Spurgeon described it, clothed uh, for a little while with that authority by which the Lord judges among the sons of men. This authority was delegated to them by virtue of their office. They were considered sons of the Most High. Government is of God, and he allows for men to rule over men. He ordains it. Understand, however, that ruling authorities would have no authority to rule were they not given authority from God, the ultimate ruler. So when earthly rulers pervert the office, they insult God. How should we treat them then? Being as though they were placed in this position of honor by God, they should be given the honor do them. Okay? That may be hard for some of us, but we have to give them the honor, do them. Exodus 22, chapter 28 says, you shall not curse God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Again, Romans 13, 1, everyone is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Verse 2 of Romans 13 says, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Take it seriously what God says. Honor those who are in authority. First Peter chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. This is their responsibility. This honor is given to them, but the office is not to be played with are used for personal gain and unjust rule and ungodly authority, not for further oppression of the weak, needy, and fatherless. God reprimands those whom he puts in office to rule justly and righteously. God does not approve of their tyrannical practices, and he will deal with them. But he also does not re- uh, approve of outright anarchy against the rulers. Remember, God put them there. Honor God who who put them there. But see, those who stiffen their necks 
against God, those who pridefully boast in their authority as if it was not given them from God, but in turn act as if they are God, and oh, how woefully mistaken they are, they will be brought down. Understand that. Just as they are raised up by God, he will in turn bring them down. They are reminded that though they are called gods, sons of the Most High, that, as verse 7 says, nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. There's another wake-up call for rulers and justices and governors, kings, princes. It is a wake-up call, a call for just judgment. You who are called gods, you who have been given a position of honor and the authority to rule justly on behalf of God, you will die like men. Like Adam who fell from holiness and dignity, so too you rulers will fall from honor and greatness since you refuse to judge justly. See, your sinful conceit will not protect you from the decay and disease of death. In fact, none of us will escape death. Do not be fooled or or, or blinded by foolish pride. You judges of the earth, this is a warning of your mortality. You will die just as other men, and you will stand face to face with God, the almighty judge. Is this not enough for you to turn from your wicked way of ruling? Not enough for you to turn from your wicked way and seek the face of God and all your judgments and rulings, knowing that indeed you will die and face the Lord. You judges, you will be required to take off the robe of honor that you wear and exchange it for burial clothes. Your righteous garments that you wear when you conduct your uh, your sessions will be exchanged for clothing As other princes have fallen, so shall you, wicked rulers. The same psalmist in Psalm 83, uh, verse 11, look there. It says, make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, and all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna. Brief explanation of what he's saying here. These are nobles and princes in the book of Judges, chapter 7 and 8. You can check it out later. But they came against Israel with large armies of Midian. The Lord raised up Gideon and 300 men to destroy them. The heads of Oreb and Zeb were severed from their bodies. Zeba and Zalmunna were tracked down by Gideon and his son. His son wouldn't kill them when Gideon told him to, so Gideon killed them himself. The psalmist in this verse is saying to the Lord, Lord, make your enemies like these wicked men. See, unjust judgment is no small thing. The wicked are reminded that God is in their midst challenged to pause and consider their unjust rulings in light of this, called upon to judge in a righteous manner. They are reminded of their mortality. And after all of this, if they still do not depart from their wicked ways, then it is as if the psalmist says, okay, Lord, establish your rule. Establish your rule 
your authority, your righteousness. These men whom you have given to, uh, given charge to, they pervert justice. They will not defend the poor. They will not stand up for the fatherless. They will not bring an end to the shedding of innocent blood. God, remove them. Get them out of the way. Psalm 83, verse 13, it says, Oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind. Count it as nothing worthless. That is what he is saying. Make the wicked rulers and princes and authorities like this. Verse 8, he says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who possesses all the nations. The call is for the Lord to defend, to revive, to protect the weak, the needy, the poor, the innocent. And arise, he will. Psalm chapter 12, verse 5 says, Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. Psalm 58, 11, it says, And men will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Amen. The kings and rulers of the earth in the days of the psalmist were acting in outright rebellion to the Lord. They wanted nothing to do with righteousness and only to raise themselves up and to be away with or do away with God and any who represented him. And you can see that even more in the next Psalm, Psalm 83. Read that when you have some time. But wicked governors and civil magistrates hate God and those who represent him. But there is hope, however. And that hope does not rest in the governments of this world, but upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, as Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says. As we read earlier today, God is the father of all nations, the author of all government, the parent of all rulers and people, William Plumer says. But he, God, has installed his king upon Zion and said to him, Psalm 2, 8, and 9, he says, Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says, The Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. All glory be to Christ our King. His rule and his reign we will ever sing. Amen to that. So what does this mean? from a practical standpoint in terms of the governments, civil magistrates, and rulers of this world. Understand this. As we have said, as I have said already, there is no rule or authority that does not first come from God. So those who are ruling, you are to be in subjection to them. Though you may rightfully disagree with their judgments and policies implemented, give them the honor they deserve as a person who has been placed in that role by God. See, do not be that person who is outright disrespectful to those who have been given rule and authority by God. 
Exercise the self-control, if you are a Christian, exercise the self-control that the Spirit of God has given you when speaking of them or to them. See, if you have a history of being disrespectful to the governing authorities, your social media page is filled with saying, idiot this or stupid that in response to something that the government has done, then they are not going to take you seriously when you sit in front of them and demand that they, they rule righteously as according to the word of God. How do you expect for them to take you seriously when your overall character shows that you are one whose spirit is unruled? who is unchecked, who is not in submission to the power of God that you were calling them to. Remain calm. Christ is king. It is his government. He will inherit all the nations. We have to do our part. Let him be the one who shakes the foundations. You don't need to try to do it yourself. And when the foundations are shaken, as they are in many ways today, remain at peace. For you, dear Christian, are the Lord's possession. Call wicked rulers into repentance and faith in Christ. Pray for them. Pray that they would rule righteously and judge justly. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil, a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Pray for them, but also warn them that if they do not willingly come into submission to the King of kings and Lord of lords, that they will soon fall into his judgment. You will die like men. So what does this mean personally for you? You, before you can go and call civil magistrates into submission to Christ, you must take inventory of your own soul and be sure that you have settled the account with God. Have you turned from sin and trusted in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or are you living in active rebellion to him? See, if you have not yet trusted in Christ, you are no better off in trying to rule the affairs of your life as the king and ruler of your soul than is the tyrant governing authority who tries to bring a nation into submission under him. You are that tyrant. Turn from sin and trust in Christ today. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He fulfilled the law. He absorbed God's wrath on sin fully in himself for the elect. He was laid in the tomb and resurrected on the third day for justification. If you have submitted to Christ as king, if he is your Lord and your Savior, if you have submitted to him, then you must live like it. Do things that build up his kingdom, beginning in your home. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Wives, submit to your husbands as he submits to Christ. Raise your children to reverence and fear God and to worship him only. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. 
On another note, in terms of educating your children, do not send them to wicked public schools. They have systems of Satan that are operating there, and even the best school districts are falling in line with that wicked teaching. If you have your kids there, do the best that you can to get them out of that wicked system. They're being indoctrinated with things of Satan, not of God. See, these measures performed in Christ only advance his kingdom. It is not insignificant, and it will not always be easy. But see, operating in the gospel of the kingdom, for the gospel of the kingdom of God, we, even outside of what I said, are going to be called to do things in honor to Christ, bringing glory to God that may seem insignificant to us. They may seem like they do not matter. We may not get the achieved results that we hope whenever we are doing those things that don't matter to us, that don't bring any personal gain to us, but nothing is lost in the kingdom of God. You are his possession. His kingdom is being built through you. Understand that. He doesn't need me. He does not need you to do anything in terms of building his kingdom. But he lovingly chose us. He rescued us from death. He did what he requires us to do in his word for us. He rescued us. Live in submission to him. There is nothing that you do to bring glory and honor to the name of Christ that is insignificant. Forget about yourself. Look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember this. Christ said, and we have said this time and time again in our most recent messages that we have preached. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Praise God. Praise God. We are not alone. Back to our topic of what we are supposed to do in terms of addressing civil authorities. Listen, we must speak up. Christ has rescued you. Remember that. He has taken you, condescended from heaven, came down from the heavenly of heavenlies to this earth, lived a perfect, sinless life that you could not live. He suffered the wrath of God on the cross that you were not worthy to suffer. He finished the work. He was laid in the tomb. He was raised on the third day. What else can be done to us who are sealed by the Holy Spirit? Do not fear men. Fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Speak up. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. That is a call from Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, to you, to the rulers, 
in charge. Open your mouth. See, we cannot depend on godless men and women to call godless leaders into submission to Christ. They may call them into some form of righteousness, but their standard is off because Christ is not their foundation and the word of God is not their guide for instruction. See, we all have those people that we listen to that say some good things that make sense in our minds and that if they are followed that, yeah, maybe this will make things right. But if they do not trust in Jesus Christ, their standard is off. See, as they walk in darkness, they go further into darkness. See, we're reminded of this. Remember this. Conservatism does not equal Christianity. Understand that. You can be as conservative as you want. Root for the party that is conservative, but it does not equal Christianity. See, if the word of God is not the foundation, if Jesus Christ is not the center, then it is off kilter. We see this in what Donald Trump said. He blamed the midterm elections, the failure of some to get in on their stance on abortion. Said that they took too hard of a stance on abortion. That's why they lost. See, that man compromised. He compromised, and he compromised a long time ago. But see, what does that do? So you have uh, networks like Fox News. I was sitting waiting for my car to be repaired this, uh, this week, and Fox News was on, and I can't tell you how many times I rolled my eyes, but listen, the things that are being said there, listen, listen to what's being said. There were a panel of women who were interviewed and they were asked, the question was, why is it that single woke women are voting Democrat? And amongst the things that they said, they said one of the things was abortion. Abortion. Because people's minds are starting to change on abortion and they think that women should have the right to abort their babies early on in their pregnancy. So they say, what is the solution? One of the ladies said, well, I hope that women see how empowered they are, that they don't need a man in, re in reference to these uh, single woke women that they are addressing. But see, that's not according to the law of God. But uh, they said that... Um, I hope they see that they are empowered and know how empowered they have been. But what is the Republican Party going to have to do? They're going to have to give in on their stance on abortion. That was the solution that these ladies said needs to take place. Does that match up with the line, with, with the word of God? Is that conservative enough for you? Are we going to put our trust in them and our hope in them? By no means. What we are going to do is demand just judgment for the preborn, equal justice and equal protection for them. Abortion must be abolished. No more incremental measures. See, Roe has been overturned, but abortion is still legal in all 50 states in the U.S. How is this? Because pregnant mothers can order pills by mail and measures are being taken to provide the pills to them to murder their child in the womb at your local drugstore. So yes, Roe was overturned, but abortion is still legal. See, the majority of women are not victims in the case of abortion. And as long as you have that mentality, it will stop you from demanding true justice for the preborn. Are there exceptions for some women? Yes, there are. But they are just that, exceptions. 
just judgments will determine rightly the case of the woman who was forced or coerced into abortion. And those forcing her into it would be prosecuted as well as the abortionist who was hired to murder that child. Equal justice, equal protection from conception is what we demand. See, if we keep going on with incremental measures, you have to stop and be honest. Take that Selah moment for yourself. Ask yourself, is abortion health care? Answer that question for yourself. You don't have to do it now. Okay, so then the mother who has had one abortion, is that, is that okay according to God's standard? According to God's word, is that health care? But then is it still health care when that mother has had two abortions, three abortions, four abortions, five, six, seven, eight? And if you think it's not happening, you are sadly mistaken. Are they victims? Is that health care? Do we continue on with incrementalism? How long will you judge unjustly, you wicked rulers? That is the question to them. And those questions I pose to you to ponder yourself as well. On this Sunday, this Sanctity of Life Sunday, we call on the governor, judges, and civil magistrates of this state to judge justly in the case of preborn babies. There is a matter be before the Supreme Court of PA which would give PA its own row. It would codify abortion. Signed into law. If the justices of this state do not render just judgment, and by the way, you would have to pay for it too. They're going to take money out of your paycheck to fund these abortions. If they do not render just judgment according to the law of scripture, which says you shall not murder. Abortion is murder. It violates the sixth commandment and also the greatest command to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is God's law. Abortion violates that law. You still want to support? Support those who will not call for the full and total abolition of abortion for equal justice and equal protection? I pray that you do not. Don't compromise. Do not compromise. Saying that I am just voting for the lesser of two evils. Do not do that. Hold these men to the standard of God, to the standard of his word. If they will not follow the standard of his word, do not vote for them. Listen to me. Christ is King, there is no end to his government. He will inherit all of the nations. We are his possession. We don't trust in flesh and blood, but we call them to be in line with God's word. We pray for and call on the justices of Pennsylvania to judge justly. However, if they stiffen their necks against God's righteousness and true justice, then we pray as the psalmist did. Arise, O God, judge this state. For it is you who possesses this state. And likewise, we pray for governors and civil magistrates of this entire nation that they would establish equal justice and equal protection for our pre-born neighbors in the womb from the moment of conception. 
We pray for and call on the rulers of this nation, making them aware of God's presence in their congregations, asking them how long will they continue with unjust judgment, calling them to defend the preborn, reminding them that though they have been given a position of honor and authority, they will die like men. And they will face God, who has been there the whole time. And if that does not sober them up to righteous judgment from their godless stupor, then we say, arise, O God, judge the earth, for it is you who will inherit not only this nation, but all the nations. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen.